This is the Horse Radio Network. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor from Equestrian Businesswomen. And you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we are speaking to Meredith Clark and Megan Brady about being mentors, finding mentors, and how to get the most out of a mentorship. Meredith Clark received a Bachelor of Science degree with distinction from the University of Sydney in Australia, and she is accredited by the International Association of Professional Farriers. She was a high school and TAFE, Technical and Further Education teacher in Australia for eight years in multi-science subjects. She received the Philip E. Jones Award for Excellence in Education. After four years of studying under a master farrier to learn the trade, Meredith began her professional shoeing career in the U.S. in 1992, working with cutting and reining horses for the first six years. She transferred to English sport horses since and narrowed her specialty to hunters and jumpers. She has been the official farrier at several horse shows, including the Hits Horse Shows and now at the Desert Horse Park in California for more than 20 years. In addition to her farrier work, she developed and produced Fancy Footwork, a horse owner's introduction to horseshoeing, and has been an invited speaker at the Singapore Malaysia Jockey Club, New England Farriers Convention, Idaho or Horse Expo, Kansas Blacksmith and Farrier Convention, Cornell University Farriers Convention, and Equitana USA. Megan Brady is an experienced equine industry professional with certifications in equine massage and integrated equine performance bodywork. She is the owner and member liaison for the Equestrian Travel Association and a certified PATH International Riding Instructor and Dressage Rider. After years developing several successful businesses within the equine industry has led Megan down a path to help others do the same. As a certified business coach, Megan helps and guides aspiring equine professionals to build their dream business. The Saratoga Women in Business Spectacular is the first ever horse show created by women, operated by women, benefiting women's health, and showcasing women in business. This one-of-a-kind, extraordinary event is one you will not want to miss and is open to all competitors, both men and women, in the equestrian community. The Saratoga WIB Spectacular Horse Show is a USEF A-rated jumper three-star competition from July 13th through 17th, 2022 in Stillwater, New York. The Saratoga WIB Spectacular will partner and collaborate with equestrian businesswomen on this initiative. Exhibitors and attendees will be offered educational opportunities throughout the show and beyond to meet, interact, listen, and learn from a variety of remarkable women willing to share information about their careers and the paths they chose. For information on how to support Saratoga WIB Spectacular, visit www.saratogahorseshows.com. We're so happy to have Meredith and Megan joining us here today to talk about mentorship and their experiences uh, in the industry as well as 
the businesses that they've created. Connor, I think you'll probably start with the first question. Yeah. So we're going to start with Meredith. When did you realize that you wanted to be a mentor? Well, I've always been fascinated by education. That was my background. And the second assistant horseshoer that I had work with me just showed the same love and passion for horseshoeing that I did. And so I think that's when I realized that I wanted to combine my passion of education and horseshoeing, my knowledge of horseshoeing, and start mentoring a younger person, the the next generation to come on and take my place. Mm -hmm. What was your first mentoring experience like? Uh, It was very heartwarming. It also showed me that I needed a lot of patience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that I thought I had but it certainly tests the patience that's for sure yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and I think the mentoring that you're doing is maybe a little different than like what we talk about in kind of a business world sense um, because yours is so hands-on and I feel like it's um, so much more in-depth than someone would get like if they meet someone for coffee and get advice and that, you know, some people consider that a mentorship, but yours is um, so hands-on, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think also where one might meet someone for coffee for advice, our role as a mentor in the horseshoeing industry is actually to prepare someone to take on an entire business. So we're Mm -hmm. teaching them everything from the ground up. They basically come to us from school and then we teach them the business so that within a few years they can actually leave and have a successful business themselves. It's not just one aspect of the business, it's the entire business. Do you struggle though with like clients? Have you ever had problems with clients like allowing you to have your apprentice come in and and do the work while you're mentoring them? I've only ever had that happen once. Uh, And funnily enough, the person that was working with me was not a young assistant. It was a very experienced assistant. Um, But generally speaking, I think clients are fairly open to understanding that young people really do need hands-on experience in this industry. Mm -hmm. And so they give them that. They just have to trust the mentor is experienced enough to know what to allow them to do and what to not and what not to allow them to do. I never overface the young people that are working with me. So they're always very capable of of completing each task I give them. Yeah. And you're always there to oversee it anyways, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I always make it it a point of telling them, I ask you to do nothing that I can't fix afterwards if you mess it up. (laughs) (laughs) Safety net. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's nice because I, I find I run into, I work in the, the veterinary industry and I do find that uh, sometimes when people have interns at their clinics and they send their intern out without somebody overseeing them, people kind of have a panic attack about it. So that's why I was just curious what your experience was over it because I know, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes there can be issues like with vets. Yes, but I really feel like shoeing horses it's not as life-threatening as mm-hmm. being in the veterinary industry. Yeah. The likelihood mm-hmm. of someone making a mistake when they're pulling off a shoe or actually rasping a hook wall um, is minimal compared to someone inserting a, a catheter, for instance. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's 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 not as it's not as devastating if they if they make a little mistake. You know, they don't rasp the wall smoothly. 
that's not the same. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's true. And uh, Megan, why did you create the Strides Mentorship Program? Um, I created that. So my background is in equine body work. And I created it to help other, it started off as helping other equine um, body work professionals start a business as well. Um, and I just found that I was doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching and I found that the group setting really helped um, because you learn different things from different people all the time. So we meet once a month and we discuss you know, everything from case studies that we're doing to business strategies. And it does, where you are located does influence your, your business model. Um, mm. So that was really um, something that was highlighted in, in working with a group of people. Um, and it has expanded into other businesses within the equine um, industry. So I think it's great that we have a group of professionals from different aspects kind of coming together and working together and supporting each other through, um, through this group. Yeah. Really cool. What are some of the things that you've gotten out of that group? Like how, how many people are, are involved? So right now it's, it's, it fluctuates. So I do it on yeah. a six month track. Um, and so, cause I find that six months is a really, if you're trying to build your business, it's a really good, um, timeline. And mm -hmm. then if they want to continue, they can. Um, but like the first, you know, we talk about different su subjects each month. So, you know, attracting clientele, retaining clientele, working with other professionals, um, setting goals for yourself and your business, the work-life balance. You know, a lot of these people, you know, like myself, I ride as well. I have horses and um, I work with horses and trying to have a life maybe that's outside of horses. <laughs> just, what does that mean? <laughs> and exactly. Um, and so we talk about all those things and even to bookkeeping, even to like hmm. making sure that you're planning a day for office work or, you know, just little things that I think people, when they start a business, they, they get overwhelmed by everything that needs to get mm -hmm. done and really yeah. blocking off that time. And then, and this being that, we need time to to think about what our goals are for our business or it will it will just kind of overrun your life. Um, yeah. So that's great. All the different subjects. And then, you know, people come come with other, you know, things that they want to discuss from website building to um, social media to, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. Yeah. So I think especially when you're first starting a small business, you're so focused on the work itself and mm -hmm. doing the work that the other things kind of fall by the wayside. Like, Absolutely. you know, it's hard to, to be able to put that time aside and focus on other things outside of the actual work that brings the money in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I it's mean, so I, important. It is. And, you know, I fell into that trap building my businesses. And mm -hmm. so then this, that's how this got developed. Like, cause I needed the time to, <laughs> mm -hmm. to sit back and be like, evaluate what I'm doing. Yeah. 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 Treat yourself yeah. like a client too. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. so. Cool. And Meredith, what was one of the biggest lessons that you learned from when you started mentoring, mentoring? 
I needed a lot more patience than I thought I was going to. And it was interesting listening to Megan because I think that's one of the things that, that as a mentor that we can teach. And I would love to come to your clinics, Megan. <laughs> so <laughs> me, your meetings, that would be great. Yeah. Um, I do think the schools teach hands-on. They, they mm-hmm. teach handling of tools. They teach blacksmithing, et cetera. But as Megan just said and as, as you guys have, have um, stated, there's a lot more to running a small business. And so being a mentor is actually teaching young people typically young people, how to actually run a business. And you do need time for yourself. So I think uh, for me, actually being able to impart knowledge freely uh, was really was really important. And it's difficult to do that because you actually have to open up yourself uh, to somebody else and you have to trust them with the information that you pass on, not just your information about your your business, your own personal business, but information about the way that you live your life, the way that you conduct your business and your life. That's yeah. uh, I didn't really realize at the time when I was taking on a mentor, the, a mentee, that I would have to actually be opening up my own personal life. Yeah, but I think that's probably what makes you such a good mentor is that you are willing to share that information and and be able to be more open about those things. I think that's hard, especially if it's somebody kind of in the same industry as you who could potentially be a competition in the future. Right. And, Mm -hmm. but um, (laughs) you know, I I think that's, that's one of the primary things that a a mentor has to understand. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I have personally found it challenging at times when I've actually seen a couple of my students be more successful than I. Um, that's it. Takes a blow to your ego uh, because you're trying to teach them to be as good as you because you think you're wonderful, um, and in fact they become to they they go on to become more wonderful than you. And suddenly it's a little bit of a uh, you have to take a little bit of a back step and realize that instead of taking it as competition, but recognizing that uh, you know it's a um, it's um, a compliment to you that you've actually started them on their journey and they've taken it further. And that's that's yeah. what your goal is. It's like should be a pat on your back. Like it was a job well done by you that you trained mm-hmm. them so well. Yeah, it should. But it's hard to accept yeah. it as that yeah. in the beginning until it's happened yeah. a couple of times. Then it becomes easier. <laughs> <laughs> and Meredith, was um, was there someone who mentored you when you started out? Uh, well, when I started, you have to remember that I'm quite old. Uh, so when we initially, when I initially started, I started my career very late because I was teaching first. So I didn't start until I was 35. And I actually, it wasn't in those days. It wasn't typical to go to horseshoeing school or various school. It was usual to uh, study for usually around about four years with a master barrier, and that's that's what I did. I initially started with my ex-husband who uh, was a master farrier and then from there I went and uh, uh, spent time with other farriers that had skills in areas that he didn't have skills in. So no one specifically teaching you about how to build a business? Oh no one teaching me about how to build a business at all. Yeah. No just teaching me about horseshoeing and yeah and that's where and I think the schools do that they teach you about horseshoeing I know they teach a little about how to build a business, but it's so much more complex than that, as Megan has alluded to. So mm-hmm. I, I feel that 
you having a mentor really helps you to learn what what being a small business owner and is all about and how to go about it. Yeah. And what do you think, um, a question for both of you, how can someone find a mentor? Megan? I think there's def- definitely different ways to go about that. Um, I think if to find a mentor specifically in your field, I think um, just going out and meeting people. And I like for myself, um, I just ask people if I could shadow them for the day and, you know, pick their brain. And it it's definitely a relationship. So you have to fi- figure out if you guys get along, if this will work. Um, and also as a mentor, you're, you're holding them accountable um, for mm-hmm. things. And so, so I think to have that kind of relationship with somebody, um, you almost have to interview them. Um, to see if that that works. I know mm-hmm. for for myself, for my business, how I do it is um, I get on a call with somebody. It's called a discovery call, and we just learn about each other and see if this will work. Um, yeah. And then we move on. I think the internet is a great resource for people. Um, so there's that, and then just local, like where you live, and you know, picking the industry that you want to, or picking the um, profession within the industry. And, you know, find somebody that you look up to or that they have a business that you admire. I think that that's, you know, you want to learn from somebody who's already doing what you want to be doing. I agree with Megan. It's very easy to find a mentor. You know, you can go to, in the horseshoeing industry, you can go to the horseshoeing schools, supply shops, social media, local Mm -hmm. talent. But finding the correct mentor or one that's going to suit you is much more challenging because mm-hmm. it, it, it is a relationship that you're building and finding the mentor that suits you is much more challenging than just simply finding a mentor. A lot of people will want to teach you um, or be open to teaching you or they think they are in the beginning, but then compatibility and mutual respect uh, are long uh, characters that you have to build. And mm-hmm. for me, making a list of for a mentor, I t- I, I'm very, I'm very specific about the people that I take. I won't mm-hmm. take as a um, as a horseshoer. I won't take anyone that doesn't have a background in horses, because a lot of people go to horseshoeing school. They have no background in horses, and mm-hmm. for me, safety is so incredibly important that if they don't have a background in horses, they don't have a knowledge of safety. So that yeah. becomes one of my number one priorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have to have that time around horses. Yeah, and absolutely. know absolutely. what they're dealing with. Yeah. If somebody's nervous about um, asking for a mentor, do you have advice for them to like kind of push through that? I'm nervous about doing podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here you are. <laughs> yeah, here I am on my first podcast. Um, it, it's very difficult when people are shy or they're reticent about making advances to people. But uh, like as Megan said, uh, finding a group that will be supportive, you know, uh, female horseshoers, for example, there's some groups on the internet that are specifically devoted to female horseshoers. Being able to join a group like that and get support from other females, other women in the industry, I think that's really very helpful. And you'll almost always find someone on those sites that locally will be prepared to to take you in and help you through that nervous period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like if you can be in a group setting and kind of 
collaborate with a bunch of people and then kind of hone in on one person that you really seem to connect with, that probably makes it an easier process. Yeah, that's why I like Megan's idea so much of yeah. of having that group to go to and kind of everyone more experiences to pull from as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Megan, what do you think uh, makes a mentorship successful? Um, I think having respect and trust for each other and showing up. Um, (laughs) Honestly, it's really just that simple. Um, But I think trust um, is a big factor. And, you know, I always, when I'm going into that kind of relationship, you know, there has to be um, accountability on both sides. I'm going to show up for you and you're going to show up for me. And that builds that trust and that I'm suggesting these things. I'm um, telling you to do these things because of my knowledge of, because I've been there, done that and made those mistakes already. And so I think um, having that, that trust and that rapport with one another um, Mm -hmm. is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And Meredith, what, what does it look like a successful mentorship look like for you? Uh, I agree with Megan. Um, that mutual respect and trust is very, very important. Um, I also think that for me, the horse, the the mentor, the horseshoeing mentor must be interested in getting the horseshoer out of the door into their own business as quickly as possible. It used to be around about three to four years, but now with the advent of schools, you, that time frame is actually cut to around about 18 months to two years. <laughs> so that makes it a whole lot, lot easier. But I, th- I think that your goal has to be to move, to move the, ho- the, the young horseshoer into their own business, not to have them standing by being your assistant day after day, just simply be, be, being a beast of burden. What you're saying is you, you think that um, what people can expect to get out of a mentorship is that they're going to move into their own business. Absolutely. And that's kind of the goal of it. Yeah. That that should be the absolute goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I do see times when people say that they're going to mentor a young person, but really what they just want is an assistant. They just want somebody that's going to labor for them. And that's mm. very different to somebody that's being a mentor. As a mentor, your goal is to get the next generation of horseshoers out the door. Yeah. Yeah. And Megan, for your business, what is um, what can somebody expect to uh, get out of their mentorship? Um, I, I hope my goal is that they can, you know, set some goals for themselves, set some business goals and achieve them. Um, and, you know, everybody has different goals of what, what they want their business to look like. You know, I work with people who just want to do things part time. I have people that want to conquer the world. (laughs) So um, and really kind of that's where it takes on some you have to individuality for each person because somebody might need more education um, on the subject or um, they're ready to go and they just need education on educating people on what they do. Um, Mm -hmm. So it is very individual. But so I. My goal is to have them set goals for themselves um, and then achieve those by by those um, by the end of the mentorship. And because the people who are coming to me are already they're out of school, 
let, we'll just use body work, for example. They're out of, you know, schooling and they're ready to start. They're ready to get clients. And so then they're, they're wanting to do this um, and get paid. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So they've kind of already gone through the schooling and the mentorship on the the actual physical work side, and now they need mentorship on how to build this business. Which does that mean? Yeah. yeah. And the and goal is for them to have a successful business, whatever that means to them. Because my mm-hmm. de- definition of success might be different than yours. And I think you know we've kind of touched on the qualities that. Um, someone who is a mentor needs to have. Um, Do you think there are like certain skills that they would need to possess as well, Megan? I think um, definitely you need to be able to listen and hear what you're, what they want, your mentee. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think we have a tendency to project our goals are for you instead of what their goals are for them. And so to really um, listen and, and, um, and kind of hold their feet to the fire about what they really want, because um, I think what happens is people say they want this and then they realize oh, maybe that's not actually what I want and kind Mm -hmm. of peeling off those layers of really, really, this is what that looks like when you, if this is really what you want to do, if this is what you want to say you want to do, this is what it's going to (laughs) take to do that. Does that make sense? You know? Yeah. Um, And people then realize like, oh, maybe I don't want my life to look like that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And um, (laughs) Meredith, I feel like there's probably a lot of that in what you do as well. Like maybe somebody goes through school and is all gung-ho and ready to be a farrier. And then when they get into the business of it and working with you, uh, you know, maybe their outlook changes or, you know, is there, do you have to keep people, keep them invested, you know, on, on what their goals are? and how to reach them. I think so. I, I totally agree with Megan that you have to, as a mentor, you have to be open to what it is that your mentee wants their business to look like. And I have worked with young farriers. My my niece has gone on to be extremely successful uh, as a therapeutic farrier. And I've also um, men- mentored a young farrier whose goal was simply to have a backyard business who she wanted to be able to get up and have dinner with her, uh, have breakfast with her husband and be home at two o'clock in the afternoon. And that was what she wanted her business to look like. But I think as a mentor in my business, you need to have reasonably advanced skills in uh, horseshoeing and business uh, and be business oriented. Um, but after that, I think then you have to base your skill level on what it is that your young assistant needs. If your young assistant wants to be involved in um, competitive blacksmithing, that's not my field. So I yeah. find another farrier that I can send them to. If they want to do therapeutic shoeing, uh, laminitis, for example, that's also not my field. I can handle it, but I prefer not to. And so I then send them to a farrier that has a much more advanced level of skill in that particular area. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's that self-awareness, I think, is really important in your field of being able to recognize that you're not the best person for them. Even if they come to you and say, I really want to learn from you and I want you to teach me about therapeutic farrier, no, no. you have to be like, <laughs> nope, sorry, you need to yeah, go to someone else. Right. I can give them all the basics. Um, yeah. And it does concern me when farriers come out of school especially the short schools, you know, there, there's some schools that are only a month, two months, and then there's other schools that like Kentucky or Cornell where they're actually much more intensive courses. Those mm-hmm. schools I'm not so concerned if somebody comes out of there and wants to develop their own business, uh, but it really does worry me somewhat. I think it's disingenuous to the owners that a horseshoer comes out of a, a month or two-month school feeling as though they have enough knowledge to be able to work on horses. You know, it's yeah. so easy to damage and, and lame horses uh, as a farrier and their limited knowledge at that, at that, at that um, place is concerning to me. I think that every young farrier should take on a mentor, if at all possible, unless they've done an advanced or a long course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely important to recognize because – I think it, with absolutely anything dealing with horses, one month isn't long enough for <laughs> for anything you want to do with horses. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Ten years <laughs> isn't long enough. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> A lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> Megan, do you find it hard to um, keep people accountable to what they want to do? Like they, they say they want it. Is there yeah. anything you have to do in order to like prep yourself to make sure you're not being too much of a hard Um, I think too, I think, uh, you know, people have to step out of their comfort zones a lot. And so Mm. sometimes it turns into, um, almost a therapy session for lack of a better word, because this is what you say you want to do. And these are the steps to do that, but you're not doing it. Why? And a lot of it is people are, you know, fearful. There's a lot of fear around that. And there's a lot of um, stepping out of your your comfort zone and really pushing people and knowing when to push and when to back off is is kind of key, I think. Um, And I've learned that lesson. Um, And at the end of the day, if they don't want to do it, that's that's on them a little bit. Um, I'm here to keep you accountable. This is what you said you want it. But these are the steps you like, you have to, if you want to build a business, you have to go out and meet people. This is a, yes, we work with horses, but they have people attached to them. (laughs) And this is a people business at the end of the day. And a lot of this in this industry, it's a lot of referrals, you know, think about it. Like, I don't care what, if you're a trainer, a farrier, a body worker, even a vet, it's, it's about referrals and knowing people and I think um they just a lot of people I see oh well if I just post on social media I'll get clients and I'm like "Eh, that's not gonna Mm. happen (laughs) 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 you know and people want to see you and the way you interact with their animal and the way that you interact with these animals that's huge Mm. um so I find that a lot of people just really want to like not do that (laughs) not (laughs) go out and meet people and um but they have to so um and it is a hard balance to keep because we all have different personalities you know some people are more outgoing than others and it's just you know they're more comfortable doing that um 
So it's really um, finding what works for that individual. And maybe I have to tweak some things or suggest different things that they do um, or how they go about it. So mm-hmm. I, I really liked um, earlier when you were talking about your discovery session that you have mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. see if people are compatible. Yeah. Um, but Meredith, what do you do to make sure that you're compatible with somebody? I make a list. <laughs> I, 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 for me, I, I'm a list maker. Um, for me, I make a list of the things that are extremely important for me personally to be able to be compatible with people, uh, with a with a mentee. For example, timeliness is critical to me. I live in Southern California. Uh, we have a horrendous traffic problem, and so meeting somebody on time. And I shoe a lot of horses, so each day I do between eight and ten horses. If I am 15 minutes late for the first person, it can put me an hour late for the second person, and I like to be on time, and my clients expect me to be on time. So mm-hmm. timeliness is critically important. Um, personal integrity, not taking jobs above my pay grade. You know, if, if I look at a horse and I know that that, that that requires somebody that has more advanced skills than I have in whatever particular area of barrier it is, I recommend someone. I have a very strong network so of referrals. Um, so I expect someone to take personal responsibility when they make mistakes. I expect them to have personal integrity of knowing where their pay grade is and not taking jobs above it. So for me, I just simply make a list. And then when I interview people, I interview based on that list. And I, I mean, I had a wonderful a wonderful assistant for quite a while. He, I wasn't mentoring him. He was just an assistant. But after a year, he just couldn't be timely. And he was always 15 to 30 minutes late. And I had to let him go based on that because I, I knew that that was one of my compatible issues. So, mm-hmm. so that's the way that I go about it. And that's a deal breaker for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Every yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I like that because I've waited for quite a few farriers in my day. <laughs> I wish I was closer yes. and you could come. <laughs> they, say like, they say it's like herding cats. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Uh, and, and Meredith, how do you think somebody can be a good mentee? Well, firstly, if you choose the correct mentor, then I think that that becomes quite an easy situation. Uh, being open-minded uh, is really important because you're asking someone to teach them what they know. It may not even necessarily be what you want to know, but you're asking someone, what do you know that you can pass on to me? So being open-minded and being prepared to work hard, uh, simply understanding what it is that your mentor requires of you and trying to fulfill that as best as you can we all make mistakes and the mistakes are unimportant Uh, it's the the desire to fulfill your role effectively that's important Mm -hmm. and willingness to learn oh absolutely Uh, but you know generally speaking i mean no one's going to take on a position of a mentee unless they are wanting to learn and willing to learn you know, once they become closed-minded, which typically I feel happens in a, in a situation around about 18 months or so is when I found that mentees develop their own sense of purpose. And about that time, they start to close off to what you as the mentor is trying to instruct them 
they see it as you trying to replicate a situation and instead they've got their own ideas. And at that point, that's the time for you to be encouraging them to move off into their own business because they are developing their own sense of self, um, self-worth and and their own sense of what their business wants to look like. And it's going to be different to yours. And you have to be open to accepting that. And Megan, how about for you? What does a good mentee look like? Well, I completely agree with Meredith. I think if somebody is seeking out a mentor, um, they're ready to hear the information. Um, and But I think um, just listening and having the mutual respect um, that this person is there to help you and to guide you into um, what you say you want. Um, and they're not, they're not telling you things to do to just for you to, to do them for no mm-hmm. reason. There's a, there's a purpose behind all this. I think being a good men- mentee just means that you are entrusting this person to advise you um, and to hold you accountable. And so I think if you can listen and be open-minded, like Meredith, Meredith said, um, and trust that they are doing um, what's in your best interest. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we've kind of been talking about mentoring people who are at the start of their careers, but a lot of times people may need mentorship when they're already in their career and maybe they want to grow or they want to learn something new that'll help their business. Uh, You know, Megan, maybe you've seen this. How can mentorship help someone who already has a career? Oh yeah. I mean, even myself, I have a mentor. Um, I have my own mentor because you change what my business looked like 10 years ago. Isn't what it looks like now. Um, Mm. you, you change your goals change. So I don't think it's just about the beginning of your business. I think you should have a mentor throughout your career because Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you get older, you have more different life goals in general. And so, um, I don't think it should matter, um, Mm -hmm. at what stage you are, whether you just are out of school or you're 20 years in, um, Mm -hmm. you can always, you can always get advice. You can always get somebody to hold you accountable. You can always have, um, time to reflect on what you want your life because it's your business is your life. Um, really, um, because of that work-life balance and really reflect on, Hey, is this really going the way that I want it to go? And do I need to make some changes or, Hey, I've been working 75 hours a week and I don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) You know, um, you know, so I think it's, it's always a good idea to have a mentor no matter what, Yeah, yeah, no matter where you are. Meredith, have you experienced that at all of someone who comes to you who's already established but maybe wants to learn something new that you could help them with? I have, but I totally agree with Megan that even though I am a mentor myself, I also have a mentor. Um, Mm -hmm. I always feel as though for me, my weak area is blacksmithing. And so just of late, you know, I've taken uh, to having a mentor that's going to help me improve my blacksmithing because Mm -hmm. When I do leave this industry, I want to leave better than I am today. So uh, that's that's critical critical for 
for all of us. And I think once you develop as a farrier, you do become, you're wanting to have special, most people, most people come flat during their career. I mean, a, a farrier life is a long life. It's usually, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30 odd years. And during that time, it's very easy to become complacent and flat if you don't keep challenging yourself. The only way to challenge yourself is to select somebody that knows more in an area that you're interested in and to go study with them. Yeah. So, yes, I have people that come to me because my specialty is show, being a show farrier, and mm -hmm. I have people that are uh, established and experienced farriers, but they want to move into the show farrier industry. So they'll come and work with me specifically covering certain shows. I cover one that's about two months long, so that's always an excellent time for them to come and actually uh, improve their skills in that particular area. Uh, Meredith, what's your favorite part about being a mentor? Seeing my young, typically they are young, my young farriers leave and start their own business and around about five years into their own business, being able to speak with them on an equal basis as a peer and actually seek out their opinion of a, a new product, a new technique they're using, etc. I just, I love that part. And Megan, um, what kind of advice can you give to people if, first of all, they want to be a mentor? Mm -hmm. And then secondly, um, when they're looking for a mentor? Um, if you want to be a mentor, I think... Um, make sure that you are educated um, in your field and what you're going to be mentoring in. Um, you know, for myself, I, my background is body work and amongst that, some other things, but that's my main, um, that's been my main focus for the last 15 years. Um, and so always, I always tell people continue your education. And if you for myself to be a mentor in that specific area, I always want to keep learning. Um, and also it's never a bad idea to, for, you know, coaching, like for business coaching, um, I went and there's tons of online classes, um, if you get certified in it, that's what I did. Um, and so to be a mentor, I think you're always just, I say this, whether you're a mentor or you're a mentee, just always keep learning and educating yourself. Um, and so, I think that is a huge aspect, um, especially in the horse world. There's always something to learn. And opening your mind to other perspectives on the same situation. You know, mm. uh, Meredith's going to have a different perspective from a farrier point of view than maybe I would from a body worker. And the trainer is going to have a different point of view on this animal. And I think having that whole team approach is very important. Mm -hmm. And Meredith, what kind of advice can you give if they want to be a mentor or they're looking and they're looking for a mentor? I think being a mentor, you uh, as a, you really have to examine, are you looking to be a mentor or are you looking for an assistant? And that's the first thing. Don't offer yourself up as a mentor if that's not what you're truly wanting to do. And that requires a lot of patience, um, compassion, um, a lot of time and effort, and, and it's very emotionally and physically draining at times. So don't offer yourself up as a mentor if you don't have the capacity to be able to do that. As a mentee, once again, going back, as, as Megan said, you know, you really have to be open-minded. You're asking someone to teach you. You have to be open-minded and neutral enough to listen to what they have to say, even if you don't agree. 
and then form your own opinions. Well, I think that was really interesting and answered a lot of questions that um, Jen and I have been discussing about mentorship and wanting, you know, people's perspectives on it. So we really appreciate you guys sharing um, your expertise with us and with our listeners. So um, at the end of each uh, episode, we ask the same rapid fire questions to each guest and Connor starts with the first question. Megan, what is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? Learning when to say no. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. That's hard to do. (laughs) It is. (laughs) I'm still learning it, but. (laughs) Uh (laughs) And Meredith, what is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? Support other women. Yeah, I like that. We wholeheartedly agree on that one. (laughs) Um, The second question for Meredith, what is the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? Not procrastinating. And um, Megan, what is the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? Um, I, every morning I wake up and I spend at least 20 minutes um, meditating or just having some quiet time without a phone, without people, um, even if it's just taking my dogs for a walk. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of keeps me motivated and um, in a good mindset for the day. And I'm, I'm pretty, um, I stick to that. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Megan, what's your favorite horse movie? Um, it's a Disney movie spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love <that>. yeah. <laughs> And Meredith, what, what's your favorite horse movie? Well, I'm going to join Megan because mine is a Disney movie All also. I know you're going to expect that I was going to say The Man from Snowy River, being that I'm Australian. Um, but it's actually The Lone Ranger uh, because my son was a stuntman on it. And so even though I love to see horses, it's much more uh, exciting to see your son. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. That's exciting. Yes. It was. It was. Wow. Was that in the U.S. that he yeah. filmed? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and the last question, Meredith, who would you recommend to be a future guest on this podcast? I don't have a specific name, but one thing that's really concerned me is in my part of the industry, I'm, I'm in the industry of uh, hunters and jumpers, and mm-hmm. I feel that it's got really primarily people with uh, much, very high incomes have now been attracted to the sport. And so people with moderate incomes are now find it very difficult to com- to be competitive in our sport. I would really mm-hmm. like to see someone interviewed that has been that has achieved their goal of being very successful in the industry coming from a, a moderate income. Yeah. Yeah, we'd love that as well. And we like yeah, to I mean share those stories. So many- yeah, there's so many young people that want to become successful in our industry, and if they got the, if they knew the steps to take, or had a little bit of a guideline about the steps that they could take to be able to participate more effectively, that would be really beneficial to the young people. Megan, who would you recommend to be a future guest on the podcast? Um, I would recommend so many different people, but um, Reese Coffer Sandfield, I think she'd be great. And what does she do? She is a dressage trainer, 
and she also mm-hmm. um, she also teaches at in the University of Kentucky. Great. Well, thanks again for joining us. Um, we love talking with you, and um, we think our listeners will get a lot out of what you were able to share with us today. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. I really love talking about this topic with both of them. They had so much great advice, and um, I was hoping Meredith wouldn't be too nervous in her first podcast ever <laughs> but she was so awesome wasn't yeah, she? she was she was excellent she was really good and it's so interesting to get both of their perspectives right because Meredith is so hands-on in what her mentorship looks like and um, it's a different hands-on right for Megan in hers talking about yeah. business and um, you know it's a lot of online work where mm-hmm. Meredith is like one-on-one in person. Yeah. Yeah. It was great to have those different perspectives. And, and, you know, like Megan said, she'll work with someone for maybe six months as a business coach, but um, Meredith is with someone for maybe two years uh, until they leave to start their own business. So um, I think it's cool to show how different mentorships can be depending on, you know, what your job is or what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And I liked how um, Meredith was talking about the com- the competition, right? When you're mm-hmm. leaving, because I mean, not, I think that maybe it's a little less in Megan's um, case, right. but like with Meredith, like, yeah, you could definitely see where, you know, you're creating somebody to be your competitor at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, it's a struggle when they become more successful. But I mean, I looked at it like, wow, that's like great that you've trained somebody so well that they've gone on to be as successful as they are, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that too. That's, I think it's really cool to see that, you know, even if it's hard to deal with at the start personally. Yeah. And -hmm. continuing to have a mentor, I think is important. I mean, I know I have a couple of different mentors, um, and people that I look up to and I seek advice from in business and in the field that I'm in. And mm-hmm. I, I think that, yeah, anybody can kind of get a mentor if they, they need that push or they need that help. Yeah. And, and being able to ask for something, you know, even if you have an established business or, and it's, you know, you've plateaued or, there's some new thing that you don't understand that you want help with, or you just need some basic business advice, or, you know, you've invested so much of yourself into something and now you want to know how to back out of it. (laughs) Things like that, that, you know, it doesn't matter where you are in the course of your career, you can find someone to help you with the issues that you're having. Yeah. And I I think people just have to not be afraid to ask or to Mm -hmm. seek out what they're looking for. Right. Because I think that that could be a challenge is people are like, okay, I'd love to have a mentor, but you know, oh, like I'm afraid to ask somebody just ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're compatible, I think it works out. For sure. And yeah, I think that's the hardest part that a lot of women probably have is 
just asking for help and <laughs> <laughs> everything right and in, in all aspects of life but you know in business too i don't yeah. think it makes you any less or makes you feel it shouldn't make you feel like a failure that you need help it should you you know it's it's what you're trying to do to like megan said keep learning and keep growing and um things never really stay the same so you have to be able to um to reach out and, and want to do more. So yeah. yeah, take that first step. And if there's somebody you admire and you like their business and what they've done with it, like make a phone call, send an email, yep. um, see what you can get from it. I've found, you know, I think I've said this before, but with equestrian business women has really shown me how much people are willing to help and, yes. and to, to be there for others. And um, every time I've asked for help, I've gotten it from someone. So I think yep. that is definitely a lesson that I've learned over the past few years. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it with this podcast when we ask for guests and, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> yeah, it's good. Come that was great. share your knowledge. <laughs> yeah, it was a great topic. It was awesome. Yeah. Can't wait for the next one. Yeah. Find the links to today's guests and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. Equestrian B2B is out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. You can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with their free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now go find a mentor or be a mentor.